Well, first of all and foremost, he is our Savior. And oh, let me tell you what a Savior he is. Do you believe that today? Has he been a true Savior in your life? Have you ever... Um, now, I'm not done a lot of manual work as far as with hammers and nails and things like that. And you don't get too many calluses doing a typewriter. But have you ever worked to the point that you've got a callus on your, on your finger? And, you know, it kind of, it feels a little strange because it kind of numbs the feeling that you have to the rest of your finger. Well, sometimes we become callous. Or maybe even a better word would be we become desensitized. And we tune things out that we've heard over and over. But would you listen this morning and be reminded again of what it meant for him to become our Savior? You've heard it time and time again. You've heard it over and over and over and over. But would you listen with a open heart and with a, a new ear this morning. We're going to begin at Matthew 26, 37 through 39. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful. Would you think about a time in your life when you have been sorrowful? It is not a joyous time. It is not an easy time, but the scripture says that our Savior was sorrowful and he was very heavy. Next verse. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. I have been there before. I, I hate to admit that. But I have been to the point of such great sorrow that I felt like death was a better option than life. That's how your Savior felt that day. He said, tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I want you to think about that for a moment. Jesus prayed that we, he would not have to go to the cross. That's how heavy and that's how sorrowful he was about what was coming. Would you think for a moment what your life would be today if he had not gone to Calvary? Oh, what a Savior, Brother Jacob. 
Let this cup pass from me nevertheless. Thank the Lord for nevertheless in that scripture. Not as I will, but as thou will. Matthew 26, 42 and 44. He went away again the second time and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if this cup. If this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, and their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time the same thing. He was serious. The flesh, now catch that. The flesh did not want to go to the cross. He did not want to suffer and sacrifice his life. But oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad he did. Matthew 27 and 27. The soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him this whole band of soldiers. Now listen to this. And they stripped him. Can you imagine how humiliating that was? I'm going to remind you he did it for you. And they put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns. Now imagine this. We're not talking about little bitty thorns that won't even hardly penetrate. We're talking about thorns that when they placed it and crushed it upon his head, those thorns dug into his head and the blood began to flow. And that blood was for you. And that blood was for me. And a reed in his right hand. And they bowed their knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hell, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him. Have you ever been spit upon? How disgusting. How rude. How humiliating. Oh, I'm trying to wake up that inner man this morning and remind you what he went through for you and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off him and put on his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. Matthew 27, 33 and when they came unto a place called Golgotha, this is to say a place of the skull, and they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet they parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Luke 22 and 44, and being in 
agony. Huh? Now listen, there's one thing to say, hey, I don't feel real good today. There's another thing to say, I am in agony. There's something about being said when you're in agony that's, that a person realizes that you're just not uh, having a bad day. But oh, it feels like the weight of the world is upon your shoulders. Well, let me tell you something. It was for him. We say that as a, you know, a saying that, oh, the weight of the world is on my shoulders. Let me tell you, the weight of the world, this world, my soul, your soul, every soul that was born into this country, into this world, the weight of that world was upon his shoulders. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was this great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now, as a child, I kind of wondered about that great drops of blood. As, as great, great drops of blood. But I got to do it a little bit of studying. And, and uh, I'm not a nurse, but some of you here are, and you can correct me later if I'm wrong. But what I have found is that there's a condition known as hematohydrosis. And it's a condition where capillary sweat glands rupture causing them to exude blood. Now, normally, this occurs in people with bleeding disorders. But they say it can occur under conditions of extreme stress or extreme, let's say, agony. And our Savior was under so much stress about going to the cross that his sweat was as great drops of blood. Yet he went to the cross for you and for I. He did it anyway. Ha! God, help me. Help my inner man. Help my soul. Help me not to become callous. Help me not to become desensitized to this word, to what you have done for me. Can you thank him right now? I know we recently had a Bible study about who Jesus is. But let me remind you of a few things. First and foremost, he is my savior. Amen. He is my comforter, Brother Zelke. He is my deliverer. He is my fortress that I can run into. He is my healer, my hope, and my joy. He is my peace. He is my provider. He is my redeemer and my refuge. 
He is my righteousness and my shelter. Uh, he is my song. For those of you that were here last night and they talked about singing a new song. He is my song. You find yourself in a, in a situation where you're down or you're discouraged or you just don't know what's going to happen. Let me encourage you to begin to sing a new song. <laughs> so you say, well, I don't know a new song right now. Well, let me tell you what I think that kind of means also. I think it means you can take one of the oldest songs from the songbook. And in your heart, you can begin singing in a way that you never sang before. I sing a crimson stream of blood. <laughs> and that song becomes welling up within you. And you begin feeling the presence of the Lord. Not only is he my song, but he's my strength. He's my strong tower. He's my sustainer. And he's my victory. And that list could go on and on and on because he is my everything. Ah, oh, yes, he is. Another purpose of the church is to share Jesus with the lost. Now, sometimes people go and shut down right here. But Jesus called us to share him with the lost. Peter boldly proclaimed Jesus in Acts 4. 11 through 13. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must did you catch that word? We must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of him that he, I love this, that he had been with Jesus. If you're around people and they can't tell there's something different about you, there's a problem. Because they should be able to tell that you have been with Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 9 and 16, Paul speaks of his need to preach the gospel to the lost. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. 
Paul was an apostle and had great ability in the manner of reaching the lost. But the charge he proclaimed in this verse ought to ring close to home in the heart of each one of us. We need to remind ourselves that God did not call us to sit on a pew. Amen. But rather to reach and teach others the gospel of Christ. It is a calling. Now listen. It is a calling that each of us have. Now some may want to dispute that. But if you were called by the Lord, then you've been called to reach the lost. Let me just go back just a little bit. I know I have harped and harped on this, that we're not to call to sit on a pew, but we do need to be in church. On Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights, Pastor. And I have talked about that up here. I've talked about that in meetings. And I'm going to be honest with you, and I really, you know, sometimes we make things spiritual that maybe aren't as spiritual as we would like to think they are. But I tell you, since I have been proclaiming that, I have fought and fought things that have come up on Wednesdays. I've got messages to the pastor I'm so dizzy, I can't hardly get around. I'm not going to be there tonight. The weather is supposed to be so bad, and my husband and I have both got to the point to where we can't hardly see, Brother Zelke, trying to drive through the, the hard rain. And, the, and there's been a couple times that we've said, I think we're going to stay in tonight because we're a little concerned about that. It seems like something has come up over and over and over. But I'm still going to say it, and I'm still going to be planning on being here because a Wednesday night Bible study is just as important as a Sunday morning service. Amen? Amen. We may feel inadequate or backward or shy, but God has called us to reach the lost. We have a calling from above. Mark 16 and 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The word says all the world, right. Now we, we know that the missionaries go to these foreign countries. But I want to tell you, we have a mission field right outside these doors. And you may say, well, why do they see so many people receive the Holy Ghost and their churches grow? Listen, we're spoiled in this country. We rely so much on what we have. 
They rely so much on the Lord. And they receive revival. And don't get me wrong, I don't want to lose the comforts that I have. But I want to learn that those comforts only come from above. And that we also need to have a burden to reach the loss in this country. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. He's not going to send you out there by yourself. He's with you always, even until the end of the world. Now listen, let me tell you something. I'm a firm believer of this. You may knock on a door. You may call someone. You may mail them something. You may work and work and work to try to reach someone. And that person may or may not respond. But for every seed you plant, like that preacher said last night, there's someone who's hungry. And God is going to honor the efforts that you've made. You plant the seed. You water it with prayer. But he brings the increase. Amen? So don't just sit back and say, oh, but I can't do that. Or, or I invite them and they never come. You don't know what difference your effort may be, may be making across town. Amen? What God has called us to do, he will equip us to do. We're running short on time, but let me quickly, another purpose of the church is to care for one another and to minister to each other. Keep in mind that the early church did not choose between advancing the gospel and caring for the needs of its community. They continued ministering on both of these essential callings. James 1 27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. Brother Zelke likes this verse. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Listen, I need you. Did you hear that? I need you. And whether you believe it or not, you need me. We need one another. It is not enough to maintain and pursue doctrinal integrity through teaching and preaching. We preach not to allow the world to corrupt the church, but we should also preach 
that the church should bless and better the world. You know, I, I still got quite a few notes here, and we're not going to get through all of it. But let me tell you something. There are jobs that need my hand to do. If I need to nail something in, I'm going to have to use that hand with that hammer. But did you know that it is impossible? Say impossible. It is impossible for my eye to pick up a hammer and nail that nail in. And you might say, well, I just don't know that I can do that. Well, God necessarily didn't call you to do everything project. He may have called you, Brother Mike, to be the foot. Sister Kim, he may have called you to be the hand. I've told you this before, but I've always said I have felt like I'm the little toe. But you know what? The little toe gives a whole lot of balance. And a whole lot of stability. And we as a church are a body. And what the hand cannot do, the eye can. We are to work together. What does the scripture say? Fitly joined together. Fitly framed, yes. And this last one I've really already mentioned is that we are not to forsake the gathering together of worship and prayer. Amen. Are you glad you have a church? Are you glad you know that Jesus is that rock upon which the church is built? But are you glad to have a building to come to? Sister Sherry, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have time to meet with the people I love, with the people of like faith, with the people that I can draw strength from or give strength to, the people that I can go to and say, hey, I've got a need today. Would you join with me and believe Amen? I wish every one of you could have been in this building Friday night. I look for the day, I long for the day when this church is as full with our normal attendance as it was in this church Friday night.
Now, here's my next question. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to respond. But I'm going to ask you, and I want you to ask yourself, do I believe it can happen? Do I believe it's possible? Because to get there, it's going to take us. It's going to take us praying. It's going to take us reaching. It's going to take us being there, working, to, willing to work the harvest. That old song years ago, I'm thinking it was a Lanny Wolf song. My house is full, but my field is empty. He's saying everybody's fine to come and eat. Everybody's okay with coming and taking part. But when the work needs to be done, look at the fields. How many workers are out there today? Are our fields empty? Are the, are the, is the city of Heron empty of workers saying, oh, we'd love to see you at our church? I've heard the young people have been out praying for people. I think that's wonderful. If one soul is reached through that, it's worth it. Ha. Brother Darren, would you come? Are you thankful for your church? Amen. I'm so glad. The Lord planted me in his church. 